Oh, hello. Welcome to Trained Body and Mind, a podcast exploring the cutting edge of holistic fitness. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beyer. Each episode, I connect with the world's leading experts and athletes to talk about mindset, movement, nutrition, recovery, and sleep, what we like to call the five facets of fitness. Today, I'm sitting down with a cycle class icon who's showing us just how far fitness can take us, even when our bike is standing still. When I was running track, you know, there were moments where you would feel that second wind. And a lot of people, marathon runners, can attest to that second wind when you feel like you have nothing left. And then there is somehow, some way, the second wind comes and you're able to go faster and further than you were able to before in a cycle practice. Like you literally get to this point where you feel like you can't go any further and you can't do any more and you completely surrender to this moment. And then next thing you know, it's almost like something bigger than you attached to you was able to push you even further and even higher. That's motivational coach and self-proclaimed fitness evangelist, Angela Manuel Davis, giving us a full-color recap of the kind of transcendental experience that can only happen in a group cycling class. If it sounds like there should be a choir and a parting of clouds and a shaft of light through a stained glass window, well, that's what finding your deepest, hidden strength should feel like, Angela says. Pushing yourself past your preconceived limits, she points out, is actually literally transcendent. So yeah, Angela is a believer— She believes the benefits of fitness go beyond physical strength and speed. She believes they can bring you confidence in every facet of life, from work to creativity to activism. That's probably why all kinds of people drop in on our classes, from Oprah to Jay-Z to your neighborhood barista. A cycling class, she says, is a level field from which we can all reach a little higher. And Angela is here to give us all a leg up. Today, we talk about how she found her sense of purpose— the lessons she took from her time as a Team USA track athlete and from her pro baseball coach dad. We talk about the rise of ARMY, that's with two A's by the way, her suddenly global, suddenly virtual fitness community, and how it's adapted to our changing world. And we see if we can answer a couple of real big questions, like are fitness coaches taking on the roles of spiritual advisors? And what does that mean for us? Angela. Hey. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to get to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. So I had never taken your class before, which is a crime, I know, until this weekend. And I took one of your on-demand studio cycling classes because I feel like that's what you're really known for. Yeah. But get this, I have a CrossFit set up in my garage. So the bike I have is an assault bike. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is a stationary bike with essentially a huge fan as the front wheel and these stiff upright arms with these big handles that go back and forth as you pedal. Definitely more for like sport performance, metabolic conditioning than a 45-minute cycling class. Sure. I'm not about excuses. So I worked with what I had. And I don't think it was the full Angela experience because I couldn't do half of the stuff, but it allowed me to move my body. I got to soak in some of your vibes. I like that. And I can only imagine how incredible it is to get to experience your class in real life or on demand with a proper setup. And you know what? I always encourage people, whether or not you have a bike, to still participate in the cycle classes. I know that so many people will just put it in their ears and go for a hike or go for a run or do a weight training workout. And it's really about moving. It's about getting the motivation and the inspiration, hearing the word. 
and being able to pull from that and allow that to be applicable to your life wherever you're at. So I'm glad that you did that. It is such a good point. I feel like I could have gone for a run and gotten a really similar experience out of it. So kind of opened my eyes to that flexibility there, which I hadn't really thought of before. Sure. So you co-founded Army in 2019 and you're their CMO, their chief motivational officer. Yes. I love it, by the way. Can you explain what Army is? It is a fitness brand where really at the ethos of who we are, it is about fighting for and with people for your best life. You know, like I count it a total privilege and an honor to really get to support people and putting a demand on their potential and supporting people to be the highest expression of themselves. And ARMY is the opportunity to get strong enough in your body to live the life that you were called, created, and intended to live. So the fitness and wellness industry, it's so saturated. There's so many gyms, so much content, so many experts. There's a lot of gimmicky stuff out there. I think it's really hard for people to know who to trust. How did you know that you were onto something with Army and and what made you want to take the risk of starting a business? You know, I'm a firm believer that we were all created in purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. And I know part of my purpose is to encourage people in their best life. And this was an opportunity to do just that. And starting my own business was really about me having ownership of that. And I also felt like I had gotten to a place in my life where I had earned that right. Mm-hmm. And so I took a risk. You know, I jumped and I trusted that the net was big enough to catch me. I bet on myself and I'm grateful that I did. And I think I would be a bit of a fraud if I wasn't willing to do the things that I coach people to do in my room. It was time for me to be courageous. And I knew that I needed to go to grow. Well, congratulations. That's really, really amazing. Thank you. And I imagine it didn't necessarily go as planned, especially this past year. I know you guys pivoted to the virtual life in 2020, like so many other businesses. Do you feel that you've been able to deliver a similar signature experience remotely? It was a mystery. You know, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Can we catch the vibe? Is that a vibe that you can even catch? Or are we creating this experience that can only be experienced tangibly and in the physical? Am I able to deliver here in Los Angeles an experience and a practice that can touch someone on a different part of this world, this globe? Is that possible? Mm -hmm. And I was really pleased with the content that we are able to produce. So I feel really good about it. As a testament to you and your team for being open-minded and for not necessarily freaking out about the change or the position that you're in. You know, there have been various surveys that have been done recently asking whether people plan to return to a gym once they're able to. And the results are hovering somewhere around 50% of people saying that they're not going to go back to a gym in person. And that's on a small percentage. So With that in mind, do you still plan to offer this hybrid model going forward? Is this who you are? Have you guys got something good with the live workouts? For sure. I think there's something so beautiful about being in actual community with people. I think there's something so powerful about that. We literally built this business with community in mind. It literally is about an army of people fighting for and with you. And yes, that can be done digitally, but what a treat it is to have the opportunity to do it live and in person. Digital is definitely 
our emphasis. Like we are really a digital business. This is a digital brand, but we will always offer some sort of live experience, whether it is bricks and mortar, kind of a headquarter type situation, or if it's like Mm -hmm. army on the road. That's something that we're planning on doing this year in 2021 is showing up in different places around the world. That's great. I'm sure that your members are happy to hear that. Yeah, it's fun. So you mentioned community, and I think that is one of the biggest reasons that people get hooked on group fitness classes. Do you have any tips for people who are having trouble connecting with their gym or their studio in their virtual workout worlds? Like, I imagine it's a lot harder through a screen to find that connection than it is in person. Yeah, I think what really can make that work is still having accountability, still having a group that you show up with digitally, having a group of accountability partners that say, we're going to do, you know, this digital workout together at this time. It's a lot like a book club where you Mm -hmm. read the book and then you have these moments where you talk about it. Everyone's experience is different. Mm -hmm. And then it's so cool to get to like sit and talk about your experience versus my experience? Or what did you get from that? What was the takeaway for you? And then to be able to share that and it becomes this whole iron sharpening iron moment. And so I think if you are solely in the digital space and that is the only way that you are training right now, I think it would be lovely if you grabbed some of your homies and said, come with me. Come with Mm -hmm. me on this journey. Let's do this together. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's do the workout. Let's check in with each other before and after. And I think that's a way to stay in community. Yeah, I think that's a really nice idea too. It probably makes it a little bit more comfortable for people to get started too. Because I think when you go to ARMY's website, and we at Nike, we totally have this challenge too. It might feel a little elite or intimidating on the surface. And people might feel like they're just never going to belong. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to join a fitness community but doesn't feel like they'd ever really fit in? Should they do it anyway? I get that. And I mean, even for me, cycle was so intimidating. And I was a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. I ran track for years for Nike, traveled the world, running the USA on my chest. And cycle was intimidating. Like I did not want to cycle. I did not want to spin. So I get that. And the way that I correlate it is this whole thing about worthiness. It's a trip, but we are worthy of that version of ourselves that is on the other side of hard. Mm -hmm. We are worthy of that version of ourselves that is on the other side of progress and a program that will get you in shape and that will elevate your thinking and take you to that higher standard. We are worthy of that. And sometimes that's the unlock. The unlock Mm -hmm. is knowing that you are worthy of the results on the other side of it. And a lot of times we get in our own way and we talk ourselves out of it before we even give ourselves a shot. And so Mm -hmm. I would empathize with feeling nervous and intimidated, but then I'd also really truly encourage that individual to try and just to put a little something on it. Well, and hearing from you that you've felt that intimidation too, coming from, as you said, your elite athlete background, that has to be sort of a light bulb moment for people to think like, okay, this is normal. Yeah, it is normal. It's one of the benefits of the virtual workout world too, where you don't have to be in front of other people. You can take it on demand or you can turn your camera off and just 
do your own thing, and then slowly ease into it. That's right. Do you. Part of being in community is that you kind of show up differently when people are in the room. Your try is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to that person that is going to turn their camera off, that is going to do it by themselves, which is totally okay, is you hold yourself accountable. And the definition of accountability is accounting to your own ability. So even if you're going to do it by yourself, even if you're going to turn your camera off, even if you're the only one in that space and it's between you and you, like you have to say, can I do a little bit more? Can I push a little bit harder? And, you know, practice that. Practice that self-accountability. When we come back from the break, Angela goes deep on the connections between fitness and spirituality. We finally find out what it means to live your best life and we discuss the ideal form for the spin class hair flip. Your first step in the coaching world was in Soul Cycle, which talk about another studio known for its community, its yeah. ability to coach mind and body at the same time. And that's really where you begin to develop your devoted following. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think was so special about SoulCycle when you were there? I really was able to see real work, real mm-hmm. change, not the physical change, not the aesthetics of fitness, but I really got to see what the vehicle was really being used for and mm-hmm. the power of being on a bike that goes nowhere and yet going so far, being able to ride to your healing and ride to your freedom and Mm -hmm. ride to your breakthrough and ride to your courage and ride to your strength. I got to witness it day after day after day. And really it became about this greater work that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for that season. You know, I'm really grateful for that time. Uh, It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Before my Nike life, I was a fitness editor, and in 2016, I went on NPR to discuss what they were calling the boutique fitness craze. And there was a report that came out a few years ago, and it showed fewer and fewer millennials were going to church, but many still believed in a God or a higher power. Mm. They weren't necessarily looking for a faith community or textbook religion, but they were looking for both spirituality and community. And they felt that without those two things, they weren't going to lead a meaningful life. So then... PhD students from the Harvard Divinity School, they wanted to learn where millennials were fulfilling this need. And so they released a paper, it was called How We Gather, and it suggested that CrossFit and SoulCycle specifically were serving these purposes. Did you see this phenomenon during your time? I was interviewed for that. Oh, amazing. I remember that study. And it's true. I mean, a lot of people called my class at SoulCycle Church on a Bike. Mm Mm-hmm. When I was running track, you know, there were moments where you would feel that second wind. And a lot of people, marathon runners, can attest to that second wind when you feel like you have nothing left. And then there is somehow, some way, the second wind comes and you're able to go faster and further than you were able to before. And a lot of people consider that like this supernatural moment or this Mm -hmm. spiritual moment. And I've realized we are able to house that and we are able to hold space for that 
every single time Mm -hmm. in a cycle practice. Like you literally get to this point where you feel like you can't go any further and you can't do any more and you completely Mm -hmm. surrender to this moment. And then next thing you know, it's almost like something bigger than you attached to you and was able to push you even further and even higher. People were experiencing that level of something bigger than themselves and they were experiencing a sense of spirituality that you just don't always experience on the regular. Yeah. So I want to read you a quote from that paper. You might remember this because this to me was the most powerful part of it. It says, strikingly, spaces traditionally meant for exercise have become the locations of shared transformative experiences. They raise a question about the responsibility of class instructors and how they can best prepare for the increasingly pastoral role that they may be asked to take on. You have such a strong following. You've said your class is church on a bike. Do you feel this responsibility or have you felt this responsibility that people are looking at you as that person? I did feel that. And there were times where it was heavy and there were times where I didn't know if I could carry it. There were times after a school shooting or a huge tragedy or anything where you just felt like, Mm -hmm. how do I show up and encourage? How do I do that? But again, Mm -hmm. understanding that we're equipped to do the thing that we were called to do, that downloaded in our DNA is the capacity to be all that we were called, created, and intended to be. So even Mm -hmm. when hard things show up, knowing that there's not one obstacle that I cannot get through, and Mm -hmm. is it considered a challenge when you have 60 people that show up on a bike with people on the wait list that are waiting to get in the room and some people that are just sitting in the room just to hear the message because there's no more bikes Mm -hmm. available and you feel this sense of pressure like, how am I going to inspire these people when I'm hurting? How am I going to inspire these people when I don't know the answers? And I can't think of one time where what needed to be done wasn't done. And I think it just comes from this point of surrender, that's all we can do. You seem like you're such a natural. There's definitely some science to being an effective coach. How did you learn and develop your style and your approach? Well, my dad was a professional baseball coach. My dad was drafted out of high school. He played pro ball all of my childhood. My mom and dad are high school sweethearts. They're still Mm -hmm. married to this day. And my dad was a third base coach, first base coach, bench coach, and a manager in Major League Baseball. And I remember in 2000, he won manager of the year. And I was just like in awe of my dad. I was just like, how are you so dope? And so I remember he had this philosophy about his coaching and he would say, what is most important to me as I'm coaching these major league baseball players is that the man is just as great as the athlete, that the father, Mm. the husband, the brother, the son is just as great as the athlete. And I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like there's the connection. There's the opportunity as a coach I think it is innate to who I am because I got to watch one of the best coaches ever, and he was my father. And I just followed that leadership and that tutelage, and I just really sat at his feet and was able to gain this wisdom on how to make this so much bigger than just aesthetics. So did you know from very early on that you were going to be a coach one day, or was it something that you discovered as you were winding down your athletic career? 
You know, it's funny because I think it was in 2014, I went on tour with Oprah. It was the Live the Life You Want tour. And it was a two-day event. We went to eight different cities. On Friday night, it was only her. On Saturday, it was all the other speakers and everything else. But on Friday night, she just spoke to these Mm -hmm. stadiums full of people. And in that, she talked about the through line. And she went back to her childhood where she could see the through line. And it allowed me for the first time to kind of sit there and consider the through line in my life. And I can remember since I was really young where my parents would always say to me, you're such an encourager. You're an encourager. Now, not knowing what someone does with that or not knowing like what that means for a literal sense of your life's work, but now realizing what that meant, realizing what it means to be an encourager. The definition of encouragement is you taking the courage out of you and putting it in someone else. Mm -hmm. And I've loved to do that always. Like I've loved to always cheer people on in their best life. I mean, it's pretty convincing. So you mentioned Oprah. I want to dig in there a little bit. So I used to teach indoor cycling myself and I once took a class with Matthew Perry and I was so distracted because (laughs) I'm obsessed with friends. And all I was thinking the whole time was like, I am just so grateful I am not teaching right now because I would definitely not be cool right now. So (laughs) Oprah, Jay-Z, Gwyneth, like you've had so many famous people take your classes. What is it like to coach and to guide someone who's that famous? I think what's really cool about a cycle, what's really cool about spin is that it's like an even playing field. We all come in and, and the lights are off and we are just us trying mm-hmm. to keep up with the beat, trying to do the choreography. And so I just think it's so cool because it levels it out. And also what's really cool is that no matter who the individual is, everybody is in there fighting for something. Mm-hmm. And so as dope as that is, like when Jay was doing the 444 tour and as long as he could, he would come back and take class and then go out to where he was. That's humbling to think that you're yeah. coming back in to get filled so that you can go back out and do the thing that you do. Yeah, But That's for everybody, for the mom who's like hanging on by a thread, trying to show up every day for her kids. It's for the businessman. It's for the actress. It's for everybody. We're just all showing up trying to be our best. Yeah. No matter if it was Jay-Z, no matter if it was Oprah, we're all out here fighting to be our highest expression and our best version. And even if they weren't in the class, I'm still going to go hard in the paint for you because you matter. How hard do you have to work to be this person all the time? Is it ever exhausting? I'm tired all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Same girl. Are you kidding me? I'm tired all the time. Yeah, like it is because there's Mm -hmm. a level of like being on, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not that fun outside of this. Like people come and they take (laughs) and they're like, oh my God. And I'm like dancing and I'm bouncing off the walls and I'm like pop locking and like it's the best music. (laughs) and And then they're like, oh my God, let's hang out, let's hang out. And I'm like, look. I'm not that fun. I'm tired. (laughs) It is exhausting, but I will tell you this. It is the most 
energized feeling to be in purpose. It's mm-hmm. like you could do it time and time and time again because you do pull on something bigger than yourself. And so then with that, I'm just super mindful of my recovery. I'm just super mm-hmm. mindful of what I say yes to. Every single thing I say yes to, there's a list of things I'm saying no to. So if I'm going to say yes to being somewhere or doing something, it's a big yes, it's an honest yes, and I'm in. I'm over people-pleasing. I'm really, really protective over my energy and my recovery. And I'm really protective over taking time to be inspired so that I can therefore Mm -hmm. inspire as a living. Did that take you a lot of time to figure that balance out? Oh, yeah. I learned that the hard way. I learned that on the verge of like burnout. Yeah, exactly. I learned that two seconds before it was too late. If you're starting your own business and you're (laughs) leading massive groups of people... I imagine you're probably saying yes to more things in the beginning and it takes a while to find that ability to say no. And it's something I struggle with too. And I push my team on at Nike that saying no is actually leadership in a lot of ways and it's protecting yourself and your time. And it allows you to be really good at the things that you want to be really good at. You can't be amazing at everything. Yeah. I imagine, well, I know self-talk is a huge tool that you use. It's a technique most successful humans tap into. And one of the elements of self-talk that I think you really prescribe to are affirmations. Mm -hmm. Why do you find affirmations to be so powerful? For me, there's so much power in your words. I heard this said so beautifully, but if you want to know where you will be five years from now, start to listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, like what are you constantly saying? You begin to prophesy over your own life. And so that's why for me, affirmations are so important. You are who you say you are. You are who you think you are. And I believe that. And I've seen and I've experienced words change my life. And in me being someone who encourages and inspires individuals, I understand the power of words. I'm not on the bike riding the bike for someone, but I understand that I can tap into my words and say something that will make that individual to go faster and harder. That's Mm -hmm. powerful. You know, it's powerful that we can say something that can cut somebody down so low and emotionally scar them and totally pull them off track. That's powerful. So if we understand the power of words, why not speak life over ourselves? Why not Mm -hmm. affirm? Why not encourage ourselves? Why not remind ourselves that we can do hard things? So you mentioned some of the negative talk. You're so big on social media and other platforms. You're in the spotlight a lot. Have you dealt with negative comments from people, whether it's in real life or it's on social media? Yeah, of course. Of course. I listened to this beautiful message yesterday about lose to win. Some of that is worth taking the L to be the bigger person. People always have something to say. Anytime you stand for something, someone's going to have something to say because you're not going to please everybody and there's going to be people that don't agree with what you stand for and what you fight for. And as someone who feels like an activist and someone that fights for people and fights for justice and fights for equality, of course, you're going to get people that have something to say. Yeah. But I also think there's a way to handle that that can possibly bridge the gap rather than create a bigger gap. I think that's really powerful advice. You've mentioned a couple of times living your best life. Can you just explain 
what you mean by that and how people might start to approach doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's acknowledging the matter of your heart. I think Mm -hmm. it's taking a moment and just really saying, what is it that I love? What is it that I'm passionate about? What is it that I could do that I wouldn't even have to be paid to do? Mm. And how can I support that and promote that? And I think living your best life is finding a way to do that thing that is the matter of your heart because I think that is why we are all here. I love that. All right, I'm I'm told that we're going to have to cut this off soon, but I would like to squeeze in one last question, if that's okay. It's an important indoor cycling technique question. <laughs> okay. Can you break down how to do the quintessential cycling instructor hair flip? Oh my gosh. Just asking for a friend. Asking for a yeah. friend. Well, due to the fact that I chopped all my hair off <laughs> and I am well into my 40s, Oh, you still got it, I bet. You think I still got it? Oh, yeah. I would do the hair flip with the shoulders. Like, I would support the head and the hair through, like, maybe some, like, shoulder shrugging upper body. Because I I think where I went wrong in my (laughs) younger years is where it was all in the neck. And that will leave you potentially not able to ride on the bike the next day. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) So should I try this on the assault bike or no? (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) Fair. I figured that was going to be the answer. No. (laughs) Angela, thank you. Thank you so much for this talk. I loved every second of it. What a privilege though. I enjoy sharing space with you today. I am very grateful. The online resources are amazing, but I hope to get to travel LA and New York soon. And then I will just pop into class. I'll do my hair whip. Do the hair whip. Yeah. Bring the shoulders in. They'll be like, hmm. (laughs) I know know that girl. I know that hair whip. That's her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Live your best life. It's a term that's overused, no doubt. We've gotten to the point where we feel like the words feel light like the meaning's been hollowed out. Angela's definition, for me, puts the weight back in it. Living your best life isn't about getting a new haircut or even getting in shape. It's about understanding the life you want to live and starting your journey toward it, even when you feel like you're walking against the wind. So what would you still want to do even if you were doing it for free? It's obvious this is a question Angela's asked herself, and we're all so lucky that our answer was, I want to lift others up. It's her ability to see herself clearly that's allowed so many of us to see ourselves. Now that I've met her in class and in person, I understand that she brings the kind of light that helps us see more potential, more possibility. And even when we're real freaking tired, a little more strength. On the next episode, I'll be catching up with Dr. Jim Taylor, a sports psychologist who's made a name for himself and made a big difference in the world by helping parents and kids discover the transformative power of movement. This has been Trained. Talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode of Trained, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find us too. If you've got a question for me or my guests or a topic you'd like to see covered, email me at trained at nike.com and I'll see what I can do. Thanks for listening to Trained. Just a reminder, 
always talk with your doctor before starting any training or nutrition program. The information we provide isn't a substitute for any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the individual opinions expressed here are just that, opinions.